Well, how long should we give myself today? I'm, I'm gonna try to stick with 50 minutes again today. I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> but as we are on week number three or part number three of a series called Okay, we have no group participation. Fellowship with the King. And as we think about that, you know, I could try to spend a few moments and try to recap on what we've talked about. Um, and we all know that fellowship is walking with God. It's walking hand in hand with God. It's walking in, in a forward momentum with the same pace, with the same intention, the same thought process in mind. So, so, so if we just think about the reality when Richie and Kaylee got married, and you know, so their thought process was, okay, we're gonna get married and we're gonna go through life together the rest of our lives. And we're gonna have the same thought process, you know, the intentions in, in mind. The same thing that y'all are here with me, helping me start a church here and that's the reality is that your mindset is that we're going to walk with the pastor and, and we're going to we're going to we're going to follow suit with what the Lord has called him to do as well. Excuse me. So so that is what fellowship is. And so fellowship was as I've defined it is called mutual movement. Now if we begin to think about that mutual movement and it's two there's two of us on the same page at the same time. How, how many times? Yeah, see, let's see. Right, uh, Richie. <laughs> Richie uh, is a world-renowned soccer player. Well, he's a he's just a he's just a soccer player. Let me let me leave it at that. But he was really good. Kaylee was a soccer player as well, and they both played all through high school. And and the thing is, is when you and your teammates were on the same page. Well, what began to happen? You got in a groove and, and you were able to, because what happens where your thought process was the same thing. When, when you see basketball on TV and you see, uh, you see them that, that they're making a run, so what's happening is they're on the same page and they all, boat, they all well, well with, with basketball, it's five of them that's playing on the court. They all have the same thing in mind, and that is to score a goal after another goal after another goal. And, and that's where we are with God is that we've got that same intention. We've got that same thought process in mind, and that is called fellowship with God or fellowship with the king because he is the king. He's declared himself as king of kings. He's the big K over the little K. He's the big Lord over the little Lords. So, this, this, so the establishment is that there are so many other things that's trying to be kings, that's trying to be the Lords, but the, but the reality is, is that He's the King over it all. He's the Lord over it all, even in our life, you know, because He said that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Well, what does that mean? We're going to do it now or we're going to do it later. Yes. And if we do it later, well, then guess what? It's too late then. And that's where so many people are going to stand at uh, when it comes to that. So last week we talked about, and I did really good because I broke a piece of grapevine off back there by the tree line. And I used it and I did really good because I didn't step on any of the grapes and squish them on my wife's floor. And uh, so she, I did see her pick them up at their service. And baby, I didn't thank you last week, but I do. I publicly thank you now that you did that. And so, so we talked about remaining in the, in the vine, and that's having fellowship with God. Fellowship is remaining, remaining in Him. So if that vine stays connected to it, then what is it doing? It's on the same page. It's on the same token. It's got the same thing in mind, and that's to produce fruit. That's to produce grapes. And it um, just happens to be that case for a grapevine. Uh, so, so what I did with, with, with uh, uh, putting that in perspective of fellowship of remaining, I kind of gave it a definition of being closely mutual associated. Because what happens is what you're attached to is who you look like. So I'm just going to be real. My, my worship on Sundays, my lifestyle every day, it's based off of what I'm connected to, you know, and each person's going to look different, but it really, it really determines on what they're connected to. So I, I, I just, I can't fathom uh, the aspect of us being connected to God, but yet we don't want to know about God. 
And we're going to get into knowing God a little bit this morning. And, and I kind of touched on a little bit of these preferences uh, back during Resurrection Sunday. I preached a sermon called From, from, uh, from Death to Life. And I tried not to, to reach out and, and to touch on too much of what we have spoken about, but I'm just going to be real honest with you. Probably some of you don't remember, and I don't even remember everything that I preached on that message, unless we were to go back and view it on YouTube or listen to it via a podcast. Uh, but today I want to talk about another aspect of fellowship. And this other aspect of fellowship is called the fellowship of suffering the fellowship of suffering all right my baby you found it you do such a good job you know I just I, I want to let everybody know that Miss Becky is behind the scene and she works and she is the one that 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 helps us with our videos she changes the views on them she puts your words not only here but when you go and watch the video you'll see this same screen as I'm reading from there as well. So she's, she's, she's been at a point where I've kind of asked her to multitask and she's done so good about it. And I know that she's praying very fervently for, for the Lord to send us an IT person uh, as, as when that time comes. But, but, but to get back to the reality that we have at hand is we're going to talk about a fellowship of suffering because when we talk about fellowship, we're talking about mutual movement. Mutual movement. So this is the mutual movement of suffering. Having that same aspect, same in that, having that same perspective in mind that when Jesus came, what did he do? And we're going we're gonna to highlight on some of that today. Uh, so I want to begin reading with uh, uh, my scripture today. We're going to open up Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. And I'm going to read this in the New King James Version for, for, the, uh, uh, for the people uh, here today and the people that may be viewing us online. So the scripture reads this way. Paul, and now this was Paul saying this. So here's what Paul had to say to the church of Philippi. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Notice that sufferings has an S on the end, which means what? It's plural. So plural means what? More. more than once. It's going to happen more than one time. It's, it's going to be a process that we've got to go through here. And, and we're going to see that how some of this process took place in our Lord Jesus' life as well. So let me get back to my scripture before I begin to start preaching here. He said, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed. What does conformed mean? Made into made into or in the likeness of now we talked about back at the very beginning the meaning of fellowship it said in, in genesis chapter one i believe it was it said that that god created man in his what in his likeness in his image so that means that we are like him so again we being conformed it means to be turned into or into the likeness of Man, this message is already preaching here this morning. So much better than what I studied it as yesterday. Um, so verse 11, so being conformed in his death, verse 11, if, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you today. We thank you for your blessings, Lord. We thank you for your word that's already been read here this morning. We thank you, Lord, because we've already invited you to be here today to come and, and to minister to us as we have ministered, Lord, to you in worship, Lord, this morning. But Lord, as we come to the, the focus point today, Lord, of your word, and your word is has what has transformed the whole world because Jesus is the word of God. So Lord, Lord, as, as we read Jesus this morning, as we read your heart this morning, as we read the very thing that has been sacrificed for us so that it could declare to bring us to a newness of life, as Paul said, that I may obtain resurrection from the dead. So, Lord, to understand that we, that we can resurrect means that we first must die before we can live again. So, Lord, I pray today, Lord, that as your word has already been blessed, but, Lord, I pray that our ears will be open, Lord, to hear the very things that you have to speak to us, Lord. 
But Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that, that people would not hear my voice, that people wouldn't hear Pastor James, that people wouldn't hear James, that they wouldn't hear my voice, but Lord, that they would hear your voice within mine. So Lord, that we can be transformed, Lord, by revealed knowledge. Lord, so we just thank you, we praise you, we glorify you because we ask it all in the name of Jesus and all the saints of God say amen, amen, amen. And amen and amen. Yes. So as as we can just see, you know, I kind of got away from, uh, uh, the, the, I sat down yesterday and began putting this together uh, and, the, and the spirit just began to deal with me. But uh, we came back from Clinton last night and and my wife decided she wanted to drive and I was so thankful for that. So what I did was I opened up my tablet and, and my Bible and I just began to read over my notes and stuff again for today. And then of course, you know, the Holy Spirit just began to put a highlight on something. Okay. So, so, so the highlight that he put on that, it was, was, was the, very, the, the very first four words of this scripture. And it said that, that I might know him. So when we think about the word to know, the word to know com comes from a translation of meaning to be socially aware with, to be socially associated with, to be socially associated with, to, to, to if we could say it this way, to have like, to be socially, to have social intercourse. That means that we have an intimate conversation. How many of us has ever had an intimate conversation that we're so deep into the conversation that we kind of lose track of time? You know, and I do that sometimes on Sundays. I, if it wasn't for this timer, I'd lose track of time. And sometimes when I get on the phone uh, on certain nights during the week, when I get on the phone with my dad, I begin to lose track of the time because we're so socially intimate about talking about the Word of God and talking about our walk with God and our relationship with God and what God wants to continue to do. So, so we've all been there before, you know, Rich and Kaylee, I mean, can imagine that y'all had y'all's social talks where you just get tied up in or you do your video calling or sometimes when you, you know, back when, while y'all were dating, you know, Kaylee had a curfew and I'm sure, you know, there was times where you just kind of lost track of that and I'm sure Kaylee's like, oh, I'm glad I ain't got no curfew no more. <laughs> but the reality is, is, you know, is that we, we just get lost in that conversation because we get so intimate in that conversation and, and 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 you know and here's what Paul was saying is that you know that I want to be so socially entangled with you so to be socially entangled or to that means I'm in fellowship with you right I'm in fellowship so so we're already seeing a highlight taking place here it was that he wants to know him through fellowship he wants to know him through fellowship and he continues and he said in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings so I'm gonna I'm I'm reach to my notes here for just a moment and it said and as we can see at the beginning of this verse that Paul stated that he wanted to know Jesus so to know you know again we we talk about that word to know is like a social type of intercourse to be intimate with one another so it does carry a sexual type meaning to it but it but really instead of a sexual I want to look at it as, as as an intimate an intimate fellowship so when we begin to have that intimate fellowship with God then we're going to begin to suffer we're going to begin to feel the fellowship of sufferings so 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 to know is a word that that indicates intimacy Paul relates his intimacy with God by having fellowship with the sufferings that Jesus experienced you know so 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 why do you think Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23 he says this and I'm not sure if it's part of your slide or not baby but uh, um, okay we, it probably didn't update so again here's a here's a free one you get a free one on this Matthew 7 21 through 23 it says not everyone who calls out to me Lord Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven only those who actually do the will of the Father. Who, those who actually do the will of the Father are going to be the ones that enter in. It's not the ones that say, hey, you know, Lord, 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 you know, oh Lord, I, you know, you're my Savior, you're my Lord, you're my... But if we're not doing the work of the Father, you know, we go back to the book of Revelations. Well, what did it say? What did he say to the seven churches? He said, 
He said, but I have seen your works. I have seen your works. And I know Paul, we say, you know, it's not by works that any man should boast, but the works that he's talking about is we're not saved because we did anything good. But the reality is, is that we remain in fellowship with God by the way that we work for him. Mm. Come on now. So, so, so we continue on here. And he said, only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter on judgment day. Many, what does many mean? Does that mean a majority or a minority? When you say many, that's a majority. So, so now if Jesus made this statement because we go, and this is a red letter, so this is, this is the words that Jesus spoke. So oftentimes Jesus says, said, for verily, verily, I tell you the truth, for I am, I am telling you the truth. You know, so he wanted to place the emphasis on that what I'm telling you here is reality, that there's importance to what I'm saying here. So, so we see that he said on judgment day, many, which means the majority, will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out devils in your name and we performed many miracles in your name. Now, doesn't that sound like that that's somebody that's saved? Doesn't that sound like somebody that has a fellowship with God? But it's the reality of those that do the will of my Father, those that do the work of my Father, not their work, not because I think I want to be a pastor, not because I think I want to be a worship leader, or I think I want to be a Christian, but those that follow suit, those that follow out, those that walk in the fellowship that we've been called to. And he said, he said we perform many miracles in your name, but I will say, or I will reply, I never knew you. So we go back to the word to know means a what? An intimacy. There was no relationship there. There was no relationship with you. You see, you did all these things, but the reality is, is you did them to be seen. You did them for your glory. You did them because you wanted to do them. But the reality is, is did you do them because I called you to it? Is this something that you're doing because... We have a relationship together. We're on the same page. We're in mutual movement together. We are closely mutually associated uh, by the fruit that we're bearing. You know, so and that's going to be that's going to be such a glorious but sad day is because Jesus is really going to look at so many people. And he's going to have to say, depart from me because I never knew you. Could you imagine looking at your own child and saying, hey. I'm done with you. I'm finally, I'm finally done. I've done everything that you would let me do for you. So these type of people would be dismissed because there was no relationship with him. To know him is to be fully involved in fellowship, to experience the fellowship of his suffering. So as we get back to our original text, uh, if we stop to ponder upon this reality, the reality is all that Jesus suffered. And I want you to hear that. The reality is not just the death that Jesus suffered, but the everything that he suffered. The everything that he suffered. Well, how, how are we going to know what he suffered? Well, the question is, is are you going to wait for me to tell you on Sunday or are you going to get there on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and find out what he suffered? You see, I, I, can, I can only teach you so much, but the reality is, let's just use this for an example. When you sit in class, when we all went to high school, right? So the reality is, Brother Brent's looking around, I was like, who didn't, who didn't go to high school? We all went to high school here. We even, got, we even have a college graduate in here. And so and the reality is, is what happens is you get taught, you get taught in class, right? They teach you, they teach you, they teach you the fundamentals, they teach you the principles. But the reality is, is when they send you out at the end of the day, it's like, all right, I'm going to take your notebook and I want you to read chapters two through four and I want you to answer these questions. So that becomes what? Homework. homework. So the question is, is are you doing your homework when you leave from here on Sundays? Because when you sit down and you have to spend that time alone and you have to spend that time, you got to do that reading because why? Because nobody else is doing it for you, right? And, and we ain't talking about Biff on, on Back to the Future where, where he, he made McFly do his homework for him. <laughs> just thought I'd flash back to that for just a moment. 
but nobody's doing our homework for us. The reality is, is that we've got homework that we've got to be doing. So we go back to that tithing of our time that we talk about. And I know we say, hey, Pastor James, you know, there's 168 hours in a week and 10% of that is 16.8. That comes out to be two hours and 25 minutes a day. But that's time in prayer. That's time in meditation. That's time in his word. That's time witnessing to people. That's time just singing, singing worship music. That's just time that we've dedicated to him. So the reality is that he's given us 24 hours, but what have we given him back? Have we give him less, so much less than what he's already required? And I'm not here to preach on time management this morning, but you just let that speak to you as the Lord leads. So the reality is all that Jesus suffered, and we equate this suffering with death, but that is, but that is and it's so very true that we, we equate that his suffering led to death, but there was all the, all this suffering, all that he suffered led to death, led to his death. So from the time that Jesus showed up for his baptism, his suffering is recorded for us to see. His first example of suffering was a wilderness. What do we think about when we're in the wilderness? Not see now, brother Richie, he's got to go to the wilderness next month, and that's in Arizona. That's the desert. So, so the reality is what? There's no comfort from the heat, right? I mean, there's no shade. There, there's not a water faucet around the corner. I mean, you got to get water where you can get it, and you got to get it when it's when it's presented for you. So, so, and there, you know, the wilderness speaks of a discomfort. So, so as we continue here, you know, uh, you know, his first example of suffering was the wilderness. Jesus persevered in a dry parched and lonely place because do we see cities out in the desert besides las vegas <laughs> i mean we, you, you don't really you don't see a lot of dwellings taking place out there so it becomes a a lonely place and, and so what happens is we don't have the comfort of having uh, uh to be associated with the comforts of life if we could just really say it that way so he he went to the wilderness and he did what he overcame flesh and the devil by submitting to the will of God. He overcome flesh and the devil by submitting to the will of God. So yet even Jesus was tempted to sin. Jesus was tempted to go against the Father's word, to go against God's will, but yet the only way that he overcame was submitting to God. We go back to the book of James chapter four. It says, therefore, my brethren, so therefore why? With the word therefore means that this is a conclusion of what we're talking about. So the conclusion that he was talking about and what we're gonna talk about with you here for just a moment is it says, therefore submit yourself to God Resist the devil and he will flee. Well, how are you going to how are you going to resist the devil if you hadn't first what submitted to God? So if we don't submit to God, resisting the devil ain't going to do you no good. It's like we talked about this morning. You know, you can beat up and beat up, and you can get hit and hit and hit. And I don't care what kind of condition you're in, if you get hit enough, well, what's going to happen? You're going to fall. You're going to fall. So, so, to, so to be counterintuitive is that we got to stick and move. We got to stick and move. I'm not going to try to do no, no, no shadow boxing here today. I mean, Mr. Richie's more fit. He's more cut than I am. And I, I'm in shape. And remember, round is a shape, okay? <laughs> oh, so that means we're all in shape, right? We all got some shape to us. So, 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 so but to, to stick and move. That means you've got to block and then you've got to counterpunch, right? What does counterpunch mean? To attack after they just attacked you. See, but are, are we are we going to be the oppressor or are we going to be oppressed? Are, are we going to be are we going to be the influencer or are we going to be influenced? It's one or the other. You know, we talked about last week about the grapevine. The grapevine only gets two options. If it doesn't produce fruit, then guess what? It gets torn off. If it is producing fruit, the way to make it produce more fruit is to prune it, which means to cut the ends of it off and not totally separate it or segregate it. So, and that's the only two options that we get. So here we are, we're still stuck with that same two options. We're either gonna get beat up on or we're gonna be doing the beating. So the question is, and I'm gonna preach a time, I'm gonna preach a sermon on this one day, is does the devil know your name? Does he know who you are? Because I guarantee you, each one of us already knows who he is. But the question is, is does he know who you are? 
and it ain't about who you are, but it's who you are in Christ. Who are we in Christ? And, and we're going to, man, me and, me and Daddy is going to get into that in a couple more weeks, talking about uh, I am who I say I am, or I am who he says I am. We're going to kind of uh, put that in both perspectives there. So, so as my time is running short, man, see, it's just like I talk about when I get intimate with it, just I lose focus and I lose that track of that time and that's okay um so so um he overcame flesh and the devil by submitting to the will of God have you been in a place in your walk that is dry lonely and full of suffering now ask yourself the question is how are you handling it how are you handling it because if we look at the children of Israel who knows how long that they were in the wilderness? Say it, brother. 40 years. 40 years. But you know what God called them to a wilderness for? was for a period of time. It was only for a short time. Before He was going to take them to the promised land, He wanted to take them into the wilderness so that they could, so that they could worship Him. So when He wanted to take them to worship Him, all they could do was complain and grumble. And, and you know because of their grumbling and complaining, none of the ones that came out of Israel, I'm sorry, not Israel, that came out of Egypt, none of them saw the promised land because they grumbled and they complained. But yet God had a set time. God had a set time, you know, and God has a set time for us to be suffering and in our suffering. So what are we doing in our suffering? What are we doing, excuse me, in this wilderness time? How are we handling the wilderness? Because in, in these dark and dry places, are we spending that time with God? Are we, are we being active in what His Word has called us to be? It ain't about it. God never called us to a feeling. He called us to a knowing. He called us to a knowing. You need to write that down. God didn't call us to a feeling. God called us to a knowing. So are you overcoming self and temptation through God's Word? It's, it's, let's just be real honest with you. Our flesh is weak, right? Yes. Because it, Paul even said this. He said that the flesh is weak, but the spirit is what? Is willing. Our spirit man is so willing to walk with God. He's so willing to walk in obedience, but it's our flesh that we have to make do it. Our flesh is weak. Temptation is strong. But the question is, is where's our heart at? What does our heart want? What is our heart calling us to do? What is our spirit man calling us to do? So I'm, I'm getting so behind in my time. I, I really thought that 50 minutes was going to do it today, but I'm really going to stick with the 60. So I'll wait till it's in the red and then it's 10 minutes over. <laughs> and then I'll be on that time. So last week we talked about the removal of a limb or the plumbing or the pruning of the limb. These are your two options that God gave us. And if we decide... Uh, that we want to remain in Christ and we must endure the pruning process. And we all know that pruning is a cutting away what is taken away from the, the vine's fruitfulness. So the part that's being cut off is the part that's robbing our fruit. Whether it's TV, uh, whether it's listening to secular music, whether it's, it's doing secular things, whether it's hanging out with the wrong people, there's a pruning process that must take place before we can bear more fruit So, the, uh, of those two options here. So this process must be associated with suffering. This process, being pruned, must be associated with suffering. You know, it's kind of funny because I was sitting back last week and I wasn't for sure which one that I was going to preach first. Was I going to preach the fellowship of suffering or was I going to preach on the, the, the uh, fellowship of remaining? And I had no idea, but just being in prayer, the Lord told me the fellowship of remaining. And now seeing where this message is gone, that how it's building from where we left off last week. So as we read in our opening scripture that the fellowship of suffering produces us in the likeness and the image of God. So pruning or refining causes us to have mutual movement with God through close mutual associating by conforming to His death. That'll be in your notes, Brother Brent. If somebody wants to take a picture of that, then, then we can you can see that. Those that are online, maybe you want to screenshot this, this image here. 
But that's the reality here is that pruning or refining causes us to have mutual movement with God through closely through closely being closely mutually associated by conforming to his death. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 8 through 12. Here's what Paul had to say to the church of Corinth. It'll be in your notes as well, brother, or you can read with us on the screen. And for time purposes, I'm going to go ahead and go. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 12, and it said, And we are pressed on every side by troubles. And this same word troubles comes from the same thing of, of, of opposition, of being pressed. You know, how many of us has ever felt like that we're just being pressed, you know? You know, and, and we just feel like, what's the old saying? I'm stuck between a rock and a... And so what happens is you've hit bottom, but the reality is, is you're just being pressed. I have nowhere else to go because I'm stuck in between all these obstacles. And here's what Paul made a declaration on. And I want you to, I want you to put this in your back pocket today. And I want you to carry with this throughout your week. And it said, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed. What does perplexed means? It's kind of like we're being, you know, how, how do you know when something's dead on a limb and when something's alive? You know, if you take a grapevine or you take, you go out there to your tree and, and you don't see leaves on it, well, you see that there's no fruit, right? But what's, what is the, uh, that's a tall tale sign, but what happens when you go up there and you reach and you grab that limb and you pull it and it just breaks? What, that mean? what does that mean? It's dead. It has no life in it. But if that limb bends, it bends and it perplexes. It, it, its formality is because it can easily be bent because it still has life in it. And, and when it has life in it, then it can be perplexed. So we are perplexed, but not driven to despair. In other words, we're not broken off. All we do is bend. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. We get knocked down, but what? We are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. So, so how, did, how did he make this commonality here? Is that we are what? We are not destroyed through suffering our bodies continue to share. So when we continue to suffer for the name of Jesus, when we become persecuted, when we become pressed and we are, are, are at that rock in a hard place, well then what's happening here is that we are being conformed into His likeness and His image. We are being conformed through fellowship. We are being conformed uh, through death and through suffering. Let me continue on here. Verse 11. He said, Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> through suffering, verse 10, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our body. And then we go to verse 11. He said, yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Are y'all reading the yeah. same thing I'm reading here? Is that the evidence, the evidence of us being, being led to the cross, that being led to the grave is that through suffering through these sufferings, that there's a fellowship of suffering. And, and I don't want us to look at this as that we're being drugged by our collar through the mud. Uh, and what I'm saying is, is that, is that we're, we're going to face opposition, that we're gonna be persecuted. Oh, well, James, you're a Bible thumper or you're a holy roller or, or all you do is think about God, all you do is talk about God. But the reality is, is what else is there? Because he said everything else is going to pass away. Everything else is going to pass away. Everything else is going to become rubbish, right? And his word is the only thing that's going to stand. And what is his word? God is his word. Jesus Christ is the word of God. That's what's going to stand forever. So, so that's the reality is that the evidence of us dying is that we are suffering. So let me get on to verse 12 before I get real happy and just continue to run out of time. So we live in the face of death, but that was 
that but but this has resulted resulted in eternal life for you if suffering produces in us the image of God then what does suffering look like how many of us would ask that question I'm glad you did. I, I'm, again, I read the note box again this morning, and I saw that the questions were in there. So follow me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Follow me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, and it reads this way. So be truly glad. What did he say here? Truly glad. Truly glad. Does he say pretend to be glad? Did he say have a form of gladness? He said be truly glad. Now, after we read what he's getting ready to say here, we're going to say that's an oxymoron. Does anybody know what an oxymoron is? It's like two words or two parts of a sentence that just don't go together. So, so you're going to say that he sounds like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Anybody ever heard that expression before? Uh, if you hadn't, you know, follow along with me, then you've heard it now. So he said, be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Man, this sounds like great news. This sounds like the greatest news I've ever heard in my life. He said, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Hold on, time out. <laughs> time out. He, he just said, be truly glad and that this is wonderful joy. Does this not already sound like that? This doesn't sound like that this goes together. But the reality is, is that when Paul said that God wants to move us from glory to glory to glory, he didn't say, I want to move you from sadness and despair to glory. I want to move you from, from heartache to glory. He said, I want to move you from glory to glory to glory. So the reality is, is when we look at the situation that we're in and we look at this as being glorious and an opportunity for us to be refined and for us to be pruned because we can do what? So we can become more like him. So when we, when, we, when we look at this situation, when we look at this furnace, when we look at the pruning, the shears on, on that pruner, and when we look at it and we're glad that God is separating from us the things that is separating from Him, and he says, count this as joy. You know, he said, be truly glad. And so when we begin to look at that in that perspective of being, okay, God, I'm so glad that you're removing these things out of my life, then what's happened is you're moving from glory into another glory. And then in this suffering and in these situations, you're glorious. So God continues to propel you or excel you into more glory and glory. I mean, somebody's got to get hold of that today because when our mind, our minds begin to view this so much differently, and we're going to get into this. Uh, so just ignore my timer here today. Uh, and that's a problem. I'm trying to make that the last time that we talk about this. Verse 7. He said, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. How do you know when something's genuine? Another word would be authentic, right? Yeah. How would you know that it's authentic? By going through the fire. The tall tale sign. It, what, what just happened? Y'all just got married. Brother Richie went on a month on a month training training. And what happened? They remained faithful to each other. My love for you is genuine. My heart is with you in the decisions that we're making here. Uh, my heart is with you. We're in mutual movement. Our fellowship is at the same pace, along the same line. We've got the same interests at heart here. And that's in these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies. What does purify mean? To remove foreign elements. To remove things that cause it to be impure. That, that cause it to not be authentic. That causes it not to be genuine. You know, again, we talk about the necklace. You know, we, uh, Kaylee, man, she looked like she got a Mr. T starter kit on her arm over there. You know, but, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> I used to say, <laughs> Lord bless me, I'm a funny guy. But you look at the gold. I mean, you think about it. This necklace is, is 14 karat gold. So that means 10 parts out of this is impurities. It's impurities, but guess what? You can't see it, right? When are you going to be able to see these things? It's when they come to the surface. And the only way for them to come to the surface is to what? Is to be in the refining process, is to be able to go to the point to be placed in a fire. When you take gold and you put it in a fire, what, what does it turn into? A liquid, right? It moves from a solid to a liquid. So the only way that God can remove these things out of us is to do what? 
is to transform us from where we are. And, the, and, and going through this process is not pleasurable, but I, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but that's fine. He said, he says, as it purifies gold, he says, through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed. So, so the question and the thing is, is, is we're not going to be able to see the fullness of this gold until when? Until Jesus is revealed into the whole world. When is he going to be revealed into the whole world? When he comes back. When he comes back, you know, and how that's going to show is because we're going to be the ones going. And then the other ones are going to be all depart from me because I never knew you uh, because we didn't have a relationship with one another. And we're getting somewhere here now. And this is why this is why the Lord has uh, challenged me to not be here every Sunday church to bring forth the word that is challenging, that brings forth the word that causes our spirit man to speak. Uh, or to live as we're supposed to live. So let me get back here for a minute. The wilderness that meant that way that we mentioned at the beginning of our message is a place of refinement. It's in the wilderness that we find out what parts of us is keeping us from the fellowship of the King. The weights that cause us to stumble and fall will be revealed because fire does what? Fire will reveal the genuineness of that. It will tell us what's pure and what's impure. So it's in the fire that we find the impurities that keeps us from being all that God has called us to be. The wilderness, the pruning, and the refining are not pleasurable places. I'm going to repeat that again. Being pruned and being refined is not pleasurable. But they are the only option we have if we're going to remain or we're going to be closely mutually associated. It's the only way is that we've got to go through this refining process. So if we are going to produce the very fruit that associates us with the fellowship with the king, then we have to receive this process with joy and gladness. Isaiah spoke in Isaiah 48 and 10. He reads this. I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of what? In the furnace of suffering or the furnace of affliction. So, so, so the way that we are refined is by how is, is through suffering, through our afflictions, through what we may see as trouble, through what that we may see as, as being old oh, downcast, oh my soul, that this is the process of being molded and being shaped into what God has called us to be. So, so suffering speaks of pain. Suffering speaks of hurt. Suffering speaks of agony. Suffering speaks of unpleasantness. Suffering speaks of worry. Suffering speaks of heartache. Suffering speaks of discomfort. Suffering speaks of insecurities. And the list goes on. So suffering is not a delightful thing, but it is a must. If, we ha if Jesus had to endure it, then what makes us think that we are any less? So this suffering leads us to, to a sure death. Read with me in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Here's what Jesus had to say. Here's what Jesus told the disciples. He said, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly. I mean, again, we see this word plainly. He made this plain for them that it was necessary. What's the means of necessary? I have to do this. This is not optional, right? If I'm going to continue in God's will, then this is necessary. So we got to tell ourselves the very same thing, that this is necessary for us to walk in fellowship with God as to have fellowship with his sufferings. Let me continue on here. He said that it make it plain that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. So what do we see here is that his sufferings was going to lead to what? His death. So I'm here to tell you today that your sufferings, that if you're going to remain in God, 
you're going to suffer and this suffering is going to lead you to a sure death and I'm not talking about dying a pallbearer's death I'm talking about dying to your flesh dying to self dying to your own ambitions and and, and resurrecting to the newness of the life that he's called us too. Let me preach on here. So to have fellowship with the king is to suffer unto death from the fleshly person. The very thing that will hold us back from the more fruit that he's called us to. I'm, I'm just going to be just as real as I can be with you. The fellowship of suffering will involve death and pain. How do you know when you're dead? You won't hurt no more. You won't hurt no more. That's how you know that you're dead to self. And the thing is, is we are the one. Now, we have a set time of how long we're going to be in the furnace. But the question is, if all these things that are not of God and they continue to surface and surface and surface and we remove ourselves from the fire, then what happens? We become hard again. And if we don't allow God to remove them and we become hard again, well then guess what? You gotta you gotta get back in the fire so you can be broken back down and then God wants to remove it again. And if we don't allow God to remove those things again, then what happens? We get we removed from the fire and we become hard again. How many times are we gonna be in and out of the fire? and not allow these things that are not of God to be removed. Uh, that's only a question that you can have because as we read in 1 Peter, Peter said, though these trials are for a what? For Let me, let me go back to that for a season. Or he said, he said here, uh, let me get this right here for you. He said, he said that even though you must endure many trials for a little while, everybody say a little while. That means we all, we've got a set time. There's a set time that God has for this. And if we're going to remain in God, we don't, there, okay, so what we did was we just extracted the option of, of being broken off of the vine. So now we say, okay, Lord, well, we want to be pruned. So to be pruned, okay, now, now here's your option. Is there, there's, there's nothing else. And so what you do from there is if you quit producing fruit, then you're back to the other option that, that you had just walked away from. I mean, I'm, I'm getting somewhere here today, you know, and, and I might not get a lot of amens. I might not get them online, but that's okay. That's not what I'm here for. Um, so, so we are being shaped into the person. Uh, let me get back. So this fellowship of suffering will involve death and pain. But we are being shaped... But through this, through this, uh, excuse me. But in, it is through this this death that we are being molded into His image. We, has anybody ever seen a piece of clay on a potter's wheel before? Maybe just a video, or just begin to think about it as that clay is placed on that wheel. Well, if you don't put it in the center of it, then what happens to it? It will weeble wobble. It, it was it's unstable. So and so, so it has to be in the center of the wheel, and it's got to be workable. It's got to be in a position that causes it to be workable. So, so we ask ourselves, and is is that as we're being shaped and molded? So we are being shaped and molded into the person that God has called us to be. When we are refined, we become so much easier to mold and to shape because we've seen that they bring it out of the fire, and then they're doing what? They're beating it. They're beating it and they're, they're beginning to create a shape that they won't. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 real quick here. And it said, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Are we beginning, are we beginning to catch a glimpse here of what God is having to say about suffering and, and what suffering produces? Because what did the suffering produce in Jesus? Obedience. He learned obedience to the things that he suffered. You know, are we learning obedience? Are we learning obedience? Because I've learned that in this ministry, uh, in my walk with God, uh, through my suffering, it's okay, Lord, I don't have no other choice but to obey because I've, I've neglected to be broken off the branch or from the vine. I've refused to be broken off, so that leaves me with the option of being pruned. And being pruned, which means I'm going to suffer. It's a sure death. It's sure pain. And you know, and I, and I remember a while back, I had mentioned uh, probably four or five years ago, I mentioned to my dad 
I said, I want the Lord to refine me. I want to be refined. I want to be refined. And that became my daily prayer all the time is, Lord, refine me. Lord, refine me. And, you know, my dad said, said son, you might want to be a little bit careful. But no, I want, I want to be refined. So when we go back to it, that that's part of the fellowship with God, walking in fellowship with God is that it's the fellowship of suffering. We're going to be refined. So, so, uh, so if we view if we view this suffering from any other reference, if we view it from any other reference other than what God has stated it is, then it's a lie and it's a deception from the devil. If we don't view this process of suffering as God's love on us, mm. if we view it any differently than that, then it's a lie. Mm. If we view it from a worldly perspective then we're just being deceived. We're deceived that this is, oh, well, it just, oh, woe is me, woe is me. But God's producing something in us. You know, when you think about lumber that's pressure treated, well, what happens to that? It's just regular lumber. It's just a piece of wood. But you know what they do? They put it in a chamber. They fill it with liquids and chemicals, and they close it up, and they do what? It's What kind of lumber is this called now? Pressure. Pressure treated lumber so what do they do is because of that pressure it, it forces it forces those chemicals into the wood mm. so when brother Brent working at Lowe's he understands that sometimes that wood is still wet is it not it is and then when it dries out then it's not shrinking it's not changing its shape or form no more no more it, after it has absorbed it's been molded to what it's going to be. So when you, when that, those pre, that, that blah, 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 blah. <laughs> when the, those chemicals are pressurized into this piece of wood, then it does what? It becomes resilient yes. to the weather. Yes. Have we been trash, pressure trash, blah, pressure treated? I'm getting all tongue tied here. Are we being pressure treated? Ha, has our life been pressure treated to 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 what God has for us? So anything outside of what God has to say about that suffering is a lie. So let me prove this here to you. Because we just read Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, but let me continue to read. Watch this. Watch, watch just what we say right here. Here's what Jesus had to say. He said, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leader, leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed... But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Verse 22, it says this. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid it, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Look what Jesus had to say. Yeah. Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get away from me, Satan. Wow. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things mm -hmm. merely from a human point of view not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will be saved. Amen. I mean, now, now he, Peter was viewing this from a human's perspective, from a worldly perspective. But the reality is that Jesus said, hey, no, these things must happen. This is part of God's will. This is part of God's design for my life as well as it is for, for Brother Richie and for Pastor James and each one of us here. And uh, so, so in closing today, I want to mention one more verse that brings such significance to our subject at hand. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. Listen to what brother... Now James, James was the half-brother of Jesus. So here's what he said. He said, Dear brothers and Je <laughs> Dear brothers and Jesus. <laughs> Dear brothers and sisters. So, so who's he talking to here? He's talking to the church, right? Yeah. Dear brothers and sisters, when, when troubles of any kind come your way, it is an opportunity for great joy. Now, we just saw Paul talk about this in the book of Philippians. To the, to the church of Philippi, but now we have James speaking to the 12 churches as well, and he's saying the same thing, that the many troubles of any kind, you should consider it great joy. And we've done touched on that a little bit here. He said, verse 3, he said, For you know that when your faith is tested, 
When your faith is tested, Peter even talked about that your faith would be tried by fire. So that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. If something grows, and what were we talking about last week? A grape. What is a grape? It starts with an F. It's a fruit. So here we have an opportunity for our fruit to grow by how? By our faith being tested. Peter said that our faith would be tried by fire. James says that our faith would be tested. So the testing of our faith is going to produce more fruit. It's going to produce more fruit, more fruit, more fruit. And he said, so this, he said in verse 4, he said, so, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, okay, so when your fruit is fully developed, you will be what? You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing or lacking nothing. And the Greek word here is teleos, which means to be mature. You're going to be mature once you've gone through the fire. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you the, the process of refining, the process and the fellowship of suffering is going to produce us to be mature in God. Amen. And we see too many casual Christians becoming casualties because they're just casual Christians. They're just casual Christians. You know, I've heard one preacher call them, he calls them gummy bear Christians. <laughs> we can call, we can look at them that way. We can look at them as casual Christians or we can look at them as watered down Christians. However you want to look at it is. But what the reality is, is that Jesus said that if you truly want to be my disciple, then you must forsake in your ways. I, my way is that I don't want to go through the fire. I mean, that's just the reality. I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. But when I take up my cross and I seek his way, when I do the things, the ways that he wants to do them, then that means I am truly His disciple. So to every truth, there's a what? There's a false. To every truth, there's a false. To every truth, there's a lie. There's an opposite. So, that, so we have to ask ourselves that question. Is so, so I'm going to close with this right here. Every moment that we breathe oxygen, who's breathing oxygen right now? Okay, so that applies to all of us. Every time my heart beats, whose heart's still beating? Every moment we are awake. Did the Lord wake us up this morning? Some of you might look a little sleepy here this morning, but that's okay. We're ending. And so, so when I say we're ending, people have a tendency to wake up because they know the pastor's done. But, but the reality is, is that every moment we are awake, and we said we woke up this morning, every day that we are alive, are we alive today? We have the opportunity for joy. We have this opportunity for joy. We have this opportunity to fellowship in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. The opportunity for our faith to be tried and to be tested. Another opportunity to be more and more like our Creator because He created us in what? In His likeness and His image, right? So what He's called us to fellowship. He's called us to be more. And of all His creations, now we think about everything that God created, right? If we can see, if we can visually see that out there, this nature, God created that. God created us. But you know what? Of all His creations, we are the only one that gets this glorious choice. He, he made the animals. It said then He made man and then He, what? he breathed life into them. He didn't breathe into nothing else but me and you. He didn't breathe life into the angels. He didn't breathe life into the world. He didn't breathe life into hell. He didn't breathe life into heaven. He breathed life into me and you. And we are the only thing of His creation that gets this opportunity for joy. And what's the joy that I'm talking about? The joy of trials. The joy of suffering. Man, I'm preaching myself so happy right here. And I'm right on time because I'm in the red and I've got two minutes left and we're closing with this choice right here. So what will be your choice today as the Spirit of God has moved upon these words? What are you going to choose today? It's your decision. Let me pray with you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, for all that you chose to speak to us here today. Lord, that this word was so much more significant, Lord, than what I could even visualize yesterday.
But Lord, I'm so glad, Lord, that you have chose to move upon these words. Lord, that you have made this very plainly, Lord, just like you spoke to, the, to your 12 disciples, that you, you spoke this plainly. Lord, and as you've spoken this plainly, Lord, we are at an understanding at the crossroads, at a fork, Lord, that we have to make the decision. Are we going to fellowship in your suffering? Lord, bless us today, Lord, if we don't know you, if we don't know you, if we don't have that social intimacy with you, Lord, if we're, if we're not intimate with you, Lord, the way that you desire, Lord, help us, Lord. But Lord, we know that it's a step that we must take because in the book of James it says to draw close to God and He will draw close to you or take a step to God or walk in that fellowship with God and He'll walk in fellowship with you. Help us today, Lord, to make the right decisions, Lord, that we know that we know already in our hearts that we should be making. But yet, Lord, we, we understand that we're going to have to go through this suffering. Lord, help us to know, Lord, that taking up this cross is suffering with you and for your cause of movement and mutual movement with you today, Lord. Bless our time, Lord, that we continue to have here today, Lord, as your word has already been blessed, Lord. Lord, those that, that may be viewing us online, I pray, Lord, that you would just move upon them, Lord, that this word would not just enter in their heart, but, Lord, that it, it would hit good ground. Lord, and that, it would, that it, as it hits that good and fertile ground, Lord, that broken ground, Lord, that it will produce, Lord, the 30, 60, and 100, Lord, that you've destined for it already. Lord, bless us, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, and we glorify you in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen and amen. amen. Thank you, Jesus.